You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and the finest TV and movie recommendations for what ails you. Yes, as usual, our disclaimer, Rafer, you and I are not real mental health professionals. Correct. But we are real TV and movie professionals um, in the sense that we criticize them, not that we make TV or movies. That's exactly right. <laughs> so shall we get to this week's letters, Rafer? Yes. We're going to start with a letter from Tamara. Tamara writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, due to a whirlwind of circumstances, I am leaving a long-term relationship and moving in with a friend. I am coping with all the changes pretty well, except for one thing. I'm not moving alone. I've had my dad's urn and ashes for the past 10 years. I was with my ex when my dad passed away, but now I feel conflicted about bringing him into a new place with someone who never had a relationship with him. My dad gave instructions about where he wanted to be placed, but I never went through with it. He wanted his ashes spread on top of his mother, father, and brother's graves, which are hours away from each other. This sounds horrible, but I always wanted something better for his final resting place. And now that I'm alone, I'm also having a hard time wrestling with the idea of letting him go. I know it would be super awkward to place him on the mantle of a shared house. How would that go? Hi, welcome to my apartment. That's my roommate David, my dog Melody, and my dad on the mantle. Don't get offended if he doesn't say much. So now I'm trying to work up the courage to execute his final wishes while dealing with the thought of not having him anymore. It also may be a little while until I can get the time off to do it. So I also have to broach the subject with my new roomie who already agreed to me and a dog. Please help with any guidance and movies that could shed some light on how to deal with this craptastic situation. I would prefer lighthearted because dead and dying father movies still make me ball, but I'm open to anything. Oh, Tamara, what a letter. Wow. Now, I have to say, I I have dealt with the ashes of loved ones before. I I don't think you... You have. Yeah, I don't think you have yet, Rafer, right? Well, I have had some... uh, close family members die but they've all had traditional burials um Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not remembering anyone i know 
um, who has requested cremation. Kind of not a thing from from my family. I I kind of like the idea, me personally, but I haven't had to deal with it in in my own life. Yeah, well, I have. And in the case of my mother, she made it very clear to me when I was about 14 years old. She said, when I die, I would like to be cremated and I'd like my ashes scattered along Lake Harriet, which was her favorite Minneapolis lake. And she walked around it all the time. And uh, there was a certain spot that was her special spot there. So when she died, we asked the the folks in charge of those kinds of things to split her up into a couple of containers because my sister wanted to have some of the ashes herself. Okay. And the rest we would follow through with and do what my mother asked. And we uh, illegally spread her ashes at a time where nobody would catch us before the sun came up because we're not actually supposed to legally scatter ashes in most parts of the U.S. But um, we did that and we felt that we were living right by what she asked for. But my sister also felt that she was comforted by having a very, very small urn of my mother's ashes. And she also has a small urn of my Nana's ashes, too. And the rest were put where my Nana wanted to be put. But um, the reason I'm telling you all this is I've seen two sides of the story between me and my sister. I have seen what it's like to get comfort from having a loved one's ashes nearby. And I've experienced what it's like scattering my mom's ashes. Right. And based on my experiences, I can tell you this, Tamara. There's something very fulfilling about being able to grant that final wish to a parent. But until then, honestly, no one's really going to notice or care that you still have your father's ashes. Your roommate is not going to notice or care. Nobody who steps into my sister's house cares. And as for your concern that your father would feel weird about being in the house with a person who didn't know him, don't worry about that. Your dad would not be upset. Your dad would understand that your life has had its ups and downs and that you're doing the best you can under the circumstances. Your dad would understand that. Kristen, I'm going to disagree with you on pretty much all points there. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so curious. Well, I mean, first of all, I think, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, and I understand what you're saying. But I think if I were a roomie, uh, especially a roomie to a new person, I, I would be a little, uh, let's just say, off-put by the presence of some person's ashes uh, you know, in the in the common space in the in the main area. Oh well, I'm not saying in the common space. I know Tamara said let's put them on the mantle here, and I'm not saying that. Well, I, okay. What if so, they were in your own space? What if they're in your own space? I, I guess you could do that in your own space, and you know, listen, if you've got roommates, you got to kind of respect their privacy and respect their boundaries. And sure, I can see that. I I don't think you'd want. Um, I I just I, I maybe I hope I'm not being insensitive or insulting. I always find it a little odd to go to a house. I feel like I've only been in one or two in my life, but I've always found it a little odd to go to a house and see that there's an urn there with the ashes. And I always just kind of think, uh, sort of, no matter what you do, it lends a sort of a funereal uh, pall to the room. I feel, but um, maybe that's just me. But that's that's kind of how I feel. But also, mm. I want to say. Um, our listener Tamara, her 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 father asked her to do a certain thing with the ashes, and I feel like those wishes should be uh, fulfilled. I feel like those those I feel like those wishes should be honored. Um, and look, you know, if you like you're saying, Kristen, you felt that your sister wanted to keep a small part. Um, I guess I get that. And if you really feel in your heart of hearts like that wouldn't bother the person, um, then okay. But I don't know. A request was made here, and I feel that a request should be honored. 
Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from, Rafer. I completely do. And I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I'm just saying the timeline toward that mm-hmm. doesn't have to necessarily be right away. It can be at the pace that works for you, Tamara. So obviously, for the past 10 years, you've been sitting on these ashes. You can't go back in time now and do what your dad requested 10 years ago. But you can process what you need to process and then maybe eventually do what he said to do with the ashes. And uh, I don't think it has to be right now. It would be great if you would eventually do it. But I also think it's okay to keep a little bit of those ashes for yourself if you need to. Uh, I just want to point out in my sister's case, we're talking about perfume size bottles. We're not talking about, you know, giant vases that can hold six dozen roses. Yeah. Yes, we're not talking about that. Uh, If you didn't know any better, you would look on her dresser and think it's just another perfume or makeup bottle. So, Kristen, what are what are you going to recommend to? Is it is it Tamara? 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 I'm pronouncing it all all kinds of different ways. I'm not sure which one it is. I'm sorry if I'm messing (laughs) that name up. But but Kristen, what are you going to what are you going to prescribe? All right. Well, I am going to recommend a movie that I absolutely love from 2009 called Up. Of course. Yes. And now I think we all know what Up is. It's a computer animated film from Pixar. It centers on an elderly man named Carl, played by Ed Asner, whose life is at a standstill after his beloved wife, Ellie, after she dies. And when she was alive, the two dreamed of traveling to South America, but they kept putting it off as day-to-day life and expenses got in the way. And with Ellie's last breath, she essentially said to him, go and live those dreams now do those things. She gave him their dream book. They had this book of dreams of these are the places we're going to go. Please live the life we always wanted to. Don't let my death hold you back. But he doesn't do that. He just kind of sits still for a while. He's afraid to leave the home that he built with Ellie. He isn't ready to say goodbye. He has to go through all the morning at the pace he's going to go through the morning. And so he does. And maybe the rest of the world is moving on. Maybe they're looking at him and saying, you're doing this wrong. But he's doing what he has to do. And then eventually when he does decide to change things up, to do what Ellie always said to do, it goes in all sorts of directions he never expected. And tagging along for the trip is a little boy named Russell, played by Jordan Nagai, who does a lot to bring life back to his heart. Here's a clip. Good afternoon. My name is Russell, and I am a wilderness explorer in Tri-54. Slow down. Wet Lodge 12. Kid! Are you in need of Thank any you, but I don't need today? any help. Ow. Proceed. Good afternoon. Let's skip to the end. See these? These are my Wilderness Explorer badges. You may notice one is missing. It's my assisting the elderly badge. If I get it, I'll become a senior Wilderness Explorer. The wilderness must be explored! Go, go! It's gonna be great. There's a big ceremony, and all the dads come, and they pin on our badges. So you want to assist an old person? Yep. Then I'll be a senior wilderness explorer. Kristen, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that I didn't really like Up that much. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. You've always said to me, other than the first six minutes, it never really struck you as a very good movie. That's exactly right. And those first six minutes are phenomenal. Let's just be clear. They are. They're some of the best six minutes ever, ever made in all of film history. They really are. It It is a strong, strong opening, but I feel like... 
The film sort of gets a little off the rails with its story, the dogs, the balloon, <laughs> the airship. I just feel like it gets a little out there. But, um, you know, that's just me. And I think that's kind of a minority opinion, too, because I think most people really loved Up. And I think, uh, and as did I, I love uh, Ed, Ed Asner's voice performance in the film, which is which is great. Yeah, Ed Asner is terrific. In it. And I honestly think there's a lot to love about the movie. There's, you know, the road trip aspect, the buddy movie yeah. aspect, the adventure yeah. aspect. The dogs are funny. Yeah, the dogs are very, very funny. Uh, there's all of that to love. But also, I think it's a really good movie to watch if you're in mourning. Sure. Because I think it's very forgiving of the fact that we all have to mourn at our own pace. And even if the person who passed away said, do this thing right now, it might not happen right away. Maybe it'll be like with Carl, where it takes a lot longer for you to get out there and do it. But then once you do it, you just might find that there's surprises for you. You might find new versions of connection and love out there like Carl does. And for Tamara, I think the same thing is going to happen to you. Be forgiving of yourself. Be forgiving of the fact that it took you a while to get to this point where you're really acknowledging, I need to do something with these ashes, where you're moving in with new roommates, where you're making all these changes. Forgive yourself for whatever pace you had to take with your morning in the past move forward and know that it's going to be okay and something great's going to be on the other side and no one's going to judge you for it. I'm not going to judge you if you have some ashes in your bedroom. I, I can see, you know, just to go back to the common areas, maybe you don't want your ashes there. But yeah, <laughs> if you need those in your bedroom, so be it. Pace things the way you need to. I believe that you're going to have something wonderful on the other side. But Rafer, yes. I'm curious, are you going to prescribe a movie like up to Tamara? Are you going to prescribe something that's magical and inspiring and maybe has some adventure? <laughs> well, no. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm going to go with sort of a, what you might call a bold choice. Uh, I'm going to go with Pet Cemetery from 1989, the Stephen Excuse King movie. Excuse me? Yes, it, I know. The movie where you bury your loved ones. Yes. In the cemetery when you're not really ready to let them go and they come back to life as murderous zombies, right? That's correct. That's exactly the one. That's exactly the one. All right. Now, listen. Rafer. Rafer. Kristen. Ra the world cannot hear me shaking my head right now. You can see it. Rafer. <laughs> okay. My eyes are not even open. I'm just looking into my own eyelids and shaking my head right I now. I know. I can see it. Everybody else cannot. Um, <laughs> God, okay, Rafer. Look. What what prompted me to pick this was that our listener uh, was didn't want something that maybe was going to be, you know, kind of too emotional. And so I thought a horror film might be a good way to deal with this kind of stuff. And I felt like this is sort of the perfect horror film for this moment. And I think one thing about horror films that's great is everything is so exaggerated and out there uh, and so kind of... Uh, you know, metaphorical and symbolic that I think it's kind of helpful a lot of times to kind of, uh, you can kind of process stuff through this kind of outrageous genre of horror. So here's my pitch for why our listener should watch Pet Cemetery. Just to explain, if you don't know, it's based on the Stephen King novel, obviously about the Creed family, uh, Lewis and Rachel, two children, Ellie and Gage, Uh, they are from Chicago, but they've moved to this little town of Ludlow, Maine. Lewis has gotten himself a teaching job there, 
And uh, they soon discover that this is not the big city. Um, their neighbor is a guy named Judd Crandall, played by the great Fred Gwynn. Yes, from the Munsters. Yes. Yeah, from the Munsters. We were just talking about him uh, not too many podcasts ago. <laughs> um, and Judd shows them a nearby spot that serves as the pet cemetery. It's kind of a creepy place with little gravestones everywhere. But that's nothing compared to the pet cemetery that lies hidden beyond the weeds. And there, according to a Micmac tribal legend... If you bury your pet in the ground, it will come back to life and return to you. And this is what Lewis does when Ellie's little cat dies. Sure enough, the cat shows up at the house, but something about it isn't quite right. And here's a clip. It's towards the end of the Second World War. His name was Timmy Baderman. He was killed on his way home from the Second World War. His father, Bill Baderman, was grief-struck. He was so grief-struck, he buried his son up there before he ever had a chance to get the bottom of the truth. All right, John. What's the bottom of the truth? Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because... Whatever lives in the ground beyond the pet cemetery ain't human at all. Pray for. Yes. Why? Why? Pet cemetery? Why? Rafer? It's why? Not, listen. Why? I'm not joking here. I'm not joking here. Let me let me start out with a couple things to say. I I I realize also that not many people have ever liked this movie. Um, you know, it's from it's from '89, kind of a downward spiral for the key, for the Stephen King movie genre. You know, things had gone so well with <laughs> Carrie and The Shining and Cujo and The Dead Zone, and then you know Stephen King did his own movie, Maximum Overdrive, which was a total bomb, and Silver Bullet and Cat's Eye. So the, you know the the wheels were kind of hitting some bumps in the Stephen King factory here, but. I liked this movie, and I found it to be just a perfect, a perfect story. It's such a great story because you know where it's going at every step, and you're just so horrified that that the characters are going to do it, but you just hope they won't, but they do. You know, where you're going, don't bury the cat, you fool. Don't do it. Oh, God, he buried the cat, and now here it comes. Uh, and I just, I love that. And I think it's got a very good, gruesome, creepy vibe to it. Uh, you know, listen, be warned. Critics actually thought it was a little, a little overboard and got a little too dark. I really liked it. But here is what I want to say to Tamara. Even if you don't see the movie, and that's okay if you don't see the movie, obviously. If it's just too bizarre for you. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to make fun of your situation. But here's the message of the movie. The message of the movie is just that you've got to let go. You've got to let go. Mm. The bad things that happen to people in this movie happen because they won't let go. And I want to return to what I said at the beginning. You know, your dad asked to be scattered and you haven't done it yet. And my guess is that it's because you don't want to part from him. And, you know, look, here it is 10 years later and the thought of losing him still makes you tear up and this is all still fresh for you. And, and maybe it won't always be fresh, fresh, but it's always going to be difficult. Um, but if you don't let him go, how long are you going to go on bringing that urn from place to place mm -hmm. and taking that urn with you for every move? And when you've got a new partner or a new roommate or a new city that you've moved to or whatever, and... And why? Why Why take it along with you that way? 
I, I just, again, not being a licensed therapist and here I am offering advice, which I know real therapists don't do. I think you need to honor your dad's wishes. I think you need to do what he asked and I think you need to let him go. Mm. And I think it will solve a lot of problems for you. Even if you don't see freaking Pet Cemetery. I think the <laughs> message is I think the message is valid. Oh, that is I love that message, Rafer, even if the movie prescription is horrifying, literally. It is a <laughs> horrifying movie prescription. Uh, you feel it's dubious. You feel like it's a dubious prescription. At best. At best. But I agree with what you're saying <laughs> okay. that, you know, the fear of letting your dad go. Don't worry about that because your dad's always going to be right here. And I'm pointing at my heart right now like E.T. does. Yes. Because yes, she is. he is right there. And his urn, that's not him. Exactly. Maybe other things that are him are your memories of him. The fact that you know that he's proud of you right now. The fact that you know that you are the person you are because he was your father. Can you hold on to that and maybe know that's enough? Because he is right there in all of those things. He's right there with you. I completely agree. I completely agree. Okay, so once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, Up, the Disney Pixar movie, and for me, Stephen King's much maligned Pet Cemetery. <laughs> you don't need to watch that, Tamara. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com, and fill out the contact form there. You do not need to use your real name. And while you're there, you can check out our prescription pad where we list every movie and TV show we've ever prescribed on the show. And if you haven't already, please join the conversation on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash groups slash RaferandKristen. When we're back... We'll tackle a letter from someone who's contemplating getting back into dating after a long time away from the field. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality. 
All right, we're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, you want to read this one? Yes, absolutely. Our second patient, we're going to call F, F like Franklin. Dear Rafer and Kristen, I love your show. You're both brilliant and fun. Here's my dilemma. I'm nearing 40. I had a child on my own several years ago. I love, love, love being a mom, and I'm so overjoyed by my relationship with my son, so much so that I've really devoted all of my time to him. I'm starting to wonder if I should start dating again, though. It's been several years, and I'm not really sure what to do. Long story short, I'm a single mom, and I'm afraid to date again. I like the TLDR at the end there. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I often think about what I, this is going to sound weird. I often think about what I would do if, you know, if I suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> for... well... And I hope you're not listening right now. <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I, I'll be honest. There was a, there was a. My wife had a pretty serious health scare about three years ago, and I, and I, mm-hmm. it was, it was so scary that my mind just like raced it, almost immediately past everything, past the funeral, past the absolutely everything, to being a single parent, stuck with a mortgage and a house and two kids, and trying to figure out what to do. And I just thought, like, oh my god, would I actually try to date again? I have no idea how I'd manage that. I have no idea what I'd do. <laughs> I have friends who are um, who are my age, who are dating, and they're, they're not quite in this situation where they've where they've you know had had children and then you know their children are are grown um, and now they're sort of getting back into dating. But just you know, dating at this age, it's a very different thing from when you were in college and you know there was always somebody cute on the opposite side of the room and it was easy to go over and say hi and things always were so I don't know, kind of organic. You know what I mean? So that's difficult. Right, for what year is that? Nineteen fifty? You're talking about? That was nineteen. That was nineteen fifty. It was Dave Brubeck <laughs> on the stereo on the hi-fi. Because for the past twenty um, years, you do realize that a very large percentage of Americans have met online, right? Yes, but I'm just saying, if this person's forty, well, I mean, I guess maybe being forty, I don't know. Would a would a forty year old person have any? Would a forty year old person with a kid? know about online dating? In other words, have done online dating? I'm just saying some of that stuff might be very new. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm, okay. That's, that's what I mean. Um, look, I went, to, I went to college a long time ago, Kristen. <laughs> so I guess now that, I've, now that I've said a bunch of words, the answer is I don't know what to tell you. I guess I guess that's really the short version of what I'm trying to say. Kristen, you might have better advice here. Oh, yes. Well, I love dating. As you know, I am married. Yes. <laughs> Let's make that clear. Dean and I have been together for seven years. I have not dated in a while, but I used to love dating. And I went out with plenty of people who were nearing 40 or over 40 at the time uh, that I met Dean. And, you know... Life is life. There are going to be 40-year-old people who have never been married, who have never had kids. There are going to be 40-year-olds who have a kid or who have several kids. That's life. And most people, by the time they reach 40, I think, are grown up enough and have enough perspective. We've all had our life experiences. Sometimes we've lived with partners. Sometimes we've had great jobs. Sometimes we've been in financial dire straits. But I really think that that's one of the great things about dating at this age is there's more perspective and hopefully a little bit more acceptance that we've all done what we've done. So I would say if that's what you're scared of, F, um, if you're scared of going into this place where maybe your circumstances seem too bizarre, I just want to reassure you, no one's going to think they're bizarre. 
Solo parents exist all over the place. It's going to be fine. Um, If you're scared of the actual dating itself, rest assured, you're at a perfect age where lots of people are getting divorced and are dating again for the first time. So they're scared too. There are lots of people who are scared too. You really are not alone. So it sounds like you're curious about it. It sounds like you're really thinking about it. So why not just try it? Just give it a go. Have fun. Uh, Make some mistakes. Make a fool of yourself. Have a great time. Have some hot sex. Do whatever you want to do. And just rest assured, you're not alone. Everybody else who's your age is dealing with their own stories right now. And that's what's going to make them interesting. And that's what makes you interesting. That's so that's so upbeat. I'd, I'd be I'd be just as scared as F if it were me. (laughs) But that's but that's great. I think I think that's I think that's great. I think that's great, Kristen. And anybody else listening over 40, you're going to be great at dating, too, if you want to. If you want to, it'll be great. But Reefer, what are you going to prescribe F here? All right. I have a a somewhat lighter choice than my last prescription. Um, God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) It's looking for Mr. Goodbar. No, I'm kidding. It's. I'm going to prescribe a film that I initially actually thought was going to be like looking for Mr. Goodbar, but completely isn't. Uh, It's from 2018. It's called Gloria Bell, starring Julianne Moore. Do you know this movie? I have never heard of this. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that because you know I love some Julianne Moore. And you know I love a woman over a certain age uh, living her life kind of movie. Totally. Uh, well, it really, it got good reviews, um, but somehow it just didn't get any traction uh, when it came out. It just, I don't know what, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. But yeah, Julianne Moore plays the title role, Gloria Bell. She's uh, she's a single woman. She's got two grown kids who are more or less happy. Um, one played by an actress named Karen Pistorius that I wasn't familiar with, and the other one played by Michael Sarah. Mm. And Gloria Bell is uh, kind of a product of the disco era, you know, but she's not 21 anymore. So she's not really doing the one night stand thing, but she still likes to go out and, and boogie and she likes to dance and go to a club. So she goes to this local place where they play all the old hits, right? September by Earth, Wind and Fire and Ooh. A Little More Love by Olivia Newton-John, which is one of my favorite songs. And it's got this <laughs> great soundtrack, great sort of 70s nuggets soundtrack. Anyway, one night she's at this club and uh, she meets a guy named Arnold, played by John Turturro. And he's kind of odd, uh, but he's all sort of endearing, very Turturro-esque. He's divorced. He runs a paintball arena, which is a strange detail, though it will come into play later. And it also says he used to be morbidly obese until he got gastric bypass surgery, which is also kind of surprising. So he's he's not just sort of Mr. Average. He's got these kind of funny little sides and quirks to him, which I think Gloria Bell kind of, uh, that kind of appeals to her. And they start to date. Things are pretty good, except when they aren't, because Arnold has this way of kind of turning petulant and sulky when things don't quite go his way. He'll disappear for no reason. He won't call for days. And Gloria starts to think that maybe this guy is more trouble than he's worth, but she also wants to stick it out, and she's kind of not sure what to do. And here's a clip. Love is in the air. You come here a lot? Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. And I don't know if I'm being foolish. Hello? Are you asking me out? Love is in the air. <laughs> a little more, a little more. If you were water, I'd be a glass. If you were a foot, I'd be a sock. <laughs> Can't get you out of my head happened to me with you. I thought it was never going to happen again. 
Well, Reefer, I got to say, this cast is to die for. My yeah. gosh, Michael Sarah, John Torturo, Julianne Moore, as we already mentioned. Oh, my gosh. What yeah. a cast. Gloria Bell seems like it would have... Uh, been a huge hit. I can't believe I haven't heard of it. Yeah, I know. Well, and and the other funny thing is, it's from a uh, Chilean director named Sebastian Lilio, and he first made he first made uh, the the Spanish language Chilean version of this film in 2013. Then wanted to do an American remake, and so he got these great actors. And like you say, like you know, Julianne Moore is one of those actresses who just seems to get better and better and better, like every year. Yes. And Torturo is great. I, I don't want to say too much more about him because it's an important character who has a a, a, a reveal or two. But I guess the, the reason I recommend it is because it seems to fit uh, our listeners' situation and because the movie is very, very real. I think in some ways it's so kind of real feeling that maybe some critics or maybe audiences didn't quite know how to accept it or how to, how to, uh, how to handle it. It's not a very movie-ish movie in a way. Mm. I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's just one of those kind of small, very real feeling movies it's not like a big bomb that goes off kind of thing uh, uh it's just it's just this one woman's story and i guess the other reason i chose it was because if you're going to go out and date again you've got to go into it with your eyes open uh you have to make yourself vulnerable but you have to also remember who you are and what you are worth, which is something that Gloria Bell has to do many times in this movie. And even when it might not seem worth it, uh, or even if you feel like things have gone poorly, you've always got to get yourself back out on that metaphorical dance floor like Gloria Bell does in this movie. And that message comes through really, really strongly and really beautifully in this movie. Um, And I've recommended this film to people here and there just because I always thought it deserved a slightly wider audience. So there you go. Wow. I'm definitely going to check that out, Rafer. Gloria Bell sounds like it's totally up my alley, and I think I'm going to love it. Yeah, it's a really well-done film. And so, Kristen, what about you? All right. Well, I chose something a little bit more well-known, a little bit more mainstream, Perhaps you've heard of it. It's from 2005. It's a movie called The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I love that movie. <laughs> I think that was my first my first introduction to the to the Judd Apatow sort of the the, the Apatow verse. I think that was my that was my first introduction <laughs> to it, but um oh, but oh god, that movie made me laugh. Yes, and I'm sure that everybody knows the plot of it. The the movie title alone pretty much tells you it all. <laughs> Great title. But if you don't know it, it stars Steve Carell as Andy. He's a good-hearted employee at an electronics store, and he works alongside his friends, uh, Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen, loads of other people, and uh, they learn early on that he at the age of 40 is still a virgin, and they want to do their best to support him as he goes out there and has sex for the first time. Here's a clip. No, I've borked a lot of women in my day. You've borked? Hold up, hold up, hold up. Yo, answer this question. Are you a virgin? <laughs> Are you a virgin? Yeah, yeah, not since I was 10. It all makes sense! You're a virgin! I am... Shut up. How does that happen? He's a fucking virgin. Oh, I knew it. That makes so much sense, oh. man. Look, he's a virgin. You, guys, wait, 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 you guys are hilarious. All right, all right, all right. Come on, don't be mean. I'm not being mean. I'm yeah. trying to help the partner out. I'm trying to say I want to get you laid, dude. I, I understand what's going on You here, guys right? are so up your asses. From now on, your dick is my dick. I'm getting you some pussy. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was so good, and there's so many great lines and so many great little um, 
small appearances from funny people like um, like Jane Lynch. Oh, Jane Lynch is so good in it. God, so with good. the hot dog. That's oh. funny. Oh, she loves Michael McDonald. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's a great... God, that movie was funny. Yeah. There are so many great people in it. And the, the reason I am prescribing this is because it really just makes clear what I said earlier. By the time we hit 40, we all have our stuff. Yep. We have our baggage. We have our insecurities. We have our specific patterns. And not just 40-year-old virgins, but all of us. But this is the thing I want you to think about. On the flip side... We also have friends who've known us for years who are cheering for us, who want to go out there and help us. We have decades of wisdom that we've gleaned, and hopefully we've developed the ability to laugh at ourselves in ways that, you know, we couldn't when we were younger. So I hope that you remember that. When you watch The 40-Year-Old Virgin, you'll see these friends supporting each other. You'll see the sense of perspective these characters have that maybe they didn't years and years ago. And hopefully you'll go out there with uh, a bit of a sense of humor and some hope that you can do the same thing. That's what I hope for you. I think that's great advice. And I think you could always, always, always watch this movie. I've been. This is yet another R-rated film that I can't show my kids that I'm dying to show them. I just think it's so funny. It's too adult. It's too adult. Just a couple more um, years, Rafer. Just a couple just more a couple years. Just a couple more years. Yes. Uh, the bag of sand. It's still yes. one of my favorite lines in the movie. <laughs> bag of sand? Uh, anyway, okay. Yes, so once again, our recommendations are from Kristen, the 40-year-old virgin, and from me, Gloria Bell. All right. We're going to take another quick break, but before we do... Huge shout out to everybody who continues to rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts and to review us. For example, podcast fan 12345 recently gave us five stars and wrote, just the right level of lightness that I've been needing over the past year. I have a running list of their recommendations that sound good to me and may or may not ever get to them, but following all the recs is not really the point. It's just fun listening. Ah, oh, thanks, podcast fan one two three four five. I hope you are a little better with your passwords. That's one thing I'm going to say. <laughs> that's that's my advice to you. But yes, you're right. Following the Rex is not really the point. We try to be entertaining. Try to offer some advice here and there, and we're glad you enjoy it. <laughs> Stay with us. When we're back, we have our "What Should I Watch Next?" letter of the week. Hey, everybody, we're back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Rafer, take it away. All right. This one comes from Caroline, who says, I confess I love a trashy teen drama. My standards are pretty low. My husband and I recently watched Panic on Amazon Prime. It was awful and amazing, and I could not look away. It made <laughs> Outer Banks look like a tour de force. We love Another irresistible, trashy teen show with unsophisticated storytelling. What should we watch next? Oh, my gosh. I love this question. It's a great one. I love it. Yeah. Enjoy some trash. There's so much trash out there. Oh, God. Uh, why not enjoy some of it? Sometimes trash is the best. Sometimes it's better than the finest of anything. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Do I, do I really need that caviar? No, I need these Cheetos. That's that's what I need. <laughs> that's exactly these right. These off-brand terrible Cheetos that are only sold at this one gas station. I understand. 
I'm there with you. So, yes. yeah, I personally like some trash myself, as you know, Rafer. <laughs> well, and you and I also both love uh, teen films, teen shows. Yes. Uh, so, yes. I, hopefully, we can have a few, a few good, uh, a few good ideas for for Caroline. Yeah, Caroline, that line about. Outer Banks looking like a tour de force compared to Panic. I haven't even seen it. Is it bad? Oh, it's terrible. Of course I've seen all of it. It's terrible. <laughs> Is it? Yes, I saw every single minute of season one. It's terrible. Oh, that's oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, now you've got me curious. All right. Well, Kristen, what are you going to recommend? Well, I think when it comes to truly trashy teen dramas, does anybody do it better than I the think, CW? I think not. <laughs> Isn't that home to pretty much all of them? One Tree Hill to, uh, were they Gossip Girl? A lot of them. There's so many of them. A lot of them. I I could be mixing them up, but oh my God, there was a a time there when it seemed like that was all that was on TV. Yes, yes. Uh, Crap Watch. That's what CW stands for. I just want to watch some crap. (laughs) It's the Crap Watch channel. Anywho, I am going to recommend a TV show that only ran for one season because that's how crappy it is. And... Even better, it is a spinoff of Riverdale, which also shows how crappy it is. Wow. And it's trying to be a musical comedy drama. Whoa. It's called Katie Keene. I've never heard of this in my life. Nobody's heard of Katie Keene. Wow. Yeah, it, it was on the CW originally. It's now also on HBO Max of all places. Interesting. And it chronicles four young people trying to attain successful careers on Broadway, on the runway, in the recording studio, and in the art world. These are four friends who uh, spring out of the Archie Comics world, out of the Riverdale world. They are technically, I don't think, supposed to be uh, teenagers, but I think very, very young adults who just recently graduated from high school, if I am understanding correctly. Not that they would ever explain that because that's how crappy this is. But they're living in New York. They're each trying to live their dreams. They're occasionally singing bad songs. Uh, It's as bad as you think it's going to be. Here's a clip. Alexander Caput. (gasps) He was buying a gift for someone special. It was a very sexy robe. No, no, he can't be buying a gift for me. We're just keeping it casual. Well, maybe because Friday's Valentine's Day. What? No, it can't be. I... I have a work meeting with Alex that night. Sounds like a date with someone who wants to get serious with you. Okay, girls, I'm trying to work with this guy. And honestly, I can barely keep my hands off him. But now you're telling me that he has feelings and I cannot be distracted from why I moved here, which is to write the next great American song. Hmm, and how many great American songs have you written since you've seen Alex's great American? (laughs) Some. I want to play something fresh for Alex on Friday night. Well, now I'm basically screwed. Mm, sounds like in a good way, though. So it's it's Riverdale meets Fame meets Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> yes, and Josie, the city. Josie from Josie and the Pussycats is in it. Yes, Rafer, oh, no. I'm so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yes, yes. And Josie from Josie and the Pussycats is singing completely forgettable songs. The songs are absolutely terrible. This show is just crap, and yet I devoured it all in two sittings because these are pretty people. They're wearing pretty clothes. Oh, yeah. They're trying to live their dreams and make their dreams come true. They're having affairs with princes, (laughs) and in one case with a boxer, and in another case with a music executive. They're having affairs left and right. It is terrible, but fun. Oh, my God. What are their parents back in Riverdale going to say? This sounds horrible. <laughs> oh. It's so bad, it's but it's so 
good. It's so good. Uh, this also, by the way, makes Outer Banks look like a tour de force. Boy. It's not good. That sounds but amazing. But it's delicious. That sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, I, that's, that's, that, that just might end up on my, on my watch list. <laughs> it's so bad, Rayford. Wow. <laughs> but I need to hear from you. What are you going to prescribe? Are you going to prescribe something equally trashy? Well, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to crate dig like you did. I'm not going to go quite as deep catalog as you did. That was that was impressive, man. I'm going for an old classic. I'm going to go for Cruel Intentions oh, from 1999. I love me some Cruel Intentions. Oh Guys, my god. Just so uns- good. It's just it's unstoppable that film. Uh, if you don't I was going to use it, the word trashy, but yes, unstoppable yeah. as well. Yes. If you don't know it, it's the teen version of Dangerous Liaisons, and which is just, and it's just, it's just every bit as awful and delicious as that sounds, right? Uh, yes. So we can just start with Sarah Michelle Gellar as the Marquise character, um, and this and this movie has a, a weird habit of of not changing uh, the names of the main characters. Yes. So now Sarah Michelle Gellar is playing Catherine Mitril. And she's the mean girl, the queen bee, who uses her Manhattan, who rules her Manhattan prep school with a, you know, an iron fist. Uh, the Valmont character uh, is played by Ryan F- uh, Philippi. Who else? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this version, uh, Valmont is Catherine's stepbrother, which is a, a nice little 90s gothy incest oh, yeah. vibe that they added yes. there. I do not think that was in the original. And you got Reese Witherspoon as Annette Hargrove, who I think was the sort of the Michelle Pfeiffer character in the in the '88 yes, film. You know, that's sort right. of innocent. And then Selma Blair as Cecile, another innocent young thing who arrives at the school and falls into the fast crowd. Here's a clip. Can you imagine what this will do for my reputation? Screwing the new headmaster's daughter before school starts. She'll be my greatest victory. You don't stand a chance. Even this is out of your league. Care to make a wager on that? Count me in. What are the terms? If I win, then that hot little car of yours is mine. And if I win? I'll give you something you've been obsessing about ever since our parents got married. Rafer tip of the hat to you. This is truly one of the greatest teen trash movies ever made. It is infinitely watchable. I have seen this several times. I have to say I've seen it several times. (laughs) Of course you have. (laughs) And I don't know what brilliant people came up with the idea of we're going to take this Academy Award winning film and outstanding piece of work, Dangerous Liaisons, and turn it into teen trash. Whoever you are, I applaud all of you. I mean, well done. Well done. You know, and the thing is, it's just, it's so perfect. It's just, of course, of course you would make it into a teen film, right? Of course it works. I mean, it just, you know, the 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 notebook, the diary at the end. <laughs> I mean, God, it just, it all just works it uncannily well. Um, and I think if I can, I might be using a little pretzel logic here, but what I love about this film is that it has this kind of, fake jaded attitude which teenagers have right so that there's all this sex going on there's like oral sex too and there's always talk of deflowering girls and, <laughs> and there's, there's, there's a scene of girl on girl kissing but the whole film 
pretends to be very blasé about it. Like, like the whole film is saying, oh, my dear viewer, I'm shocked that you're shocked. <laughs> but of course, it's the perfect attitude if you're a pretentious teenager. That's exactly, the, that's exactly the pose you're trying to strike. So in a way, this film is full of crap in exactly the way that it's supposed to be full of crap. And that's why it works so brilliantly. And that's one of the things I just love about it. It's such a, it's such a, it's such a poser movie. Yes. I think it's just so great. Yes, and I think anybody who watches this movie will find themselves squealing with delight because you'll be like, I can't believe this. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. Yes. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. Do that. Do that with your stepbrother. Do it. Oh, God, I know. I know. Oh, boy. What a treat. Wow. Could we have ended this episode on two finer delicacies than Cruel Intentions and Katie Keene. No, we really, we really couldn't. Again, and again, I got to say, like, 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 man, what a treasure you've unearthed there, Kristen. I got I to gotta find that. I'm so proud of both of us, Rafer. I really am. And, and Caroline, we hope that you and your husband find both of these shows as trashy as you want them to be. We really hope so. Well, and that does it for us. This week's episode of Movie Therapy has come to an end, Kristen. Yes, it has. Thanks so much to everybody who wrote in. We so appreciate it. And thanks also to the Airwave Media Podcast Network, which we're a part of. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Food with Mark Bittman and Ben Franklin's World. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.